Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello, hello. You find yourself listening to the Raw Report again, and it's it's me, it's Jack. I'm back in the hosting seat once more. You're listening to us in the Suplex Retweet Extra feed, and you can find this and our main feed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many more podcasts and websites. You can find our social media pages at Suplex Retweet on Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube page. Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet page and community group on Facebook and our website, suplexretweet.com. Now, we've gotten rid of that other McLeod. Clearly, he's not up to the kind of starting 11 player we need here at the Raw Report. Welcome back, Ross McLeod, everyone. Yes, yes. That, uh, my suspension for, you know, for, for once again, no reason. You know what I mean? Quite, quite the way for Star Start 11 of the People's Podcast. But, you know, my suspension's over. I'm back, ready to get, ready to go. Let's go. I, I try to do my best, but sometimes you know, sometimes you just can't get up to the mark. Sometimes you just need a Ross over a Scott, and that's just the matter of the fact here. Yeah. Uh, it really is, honestly. I mean, <laughs> it's not as if he's looking on right now as I record this, sticking two fingers up at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for, oh for, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> So I like how you said no, no. He edits these podcasts. He was going to hear it anyway. <laughs> Maybe a side note, like uh, Jack Graham, Bantam, Saturday Draft Live. Yes, yet another member of the band list. It's all right. The people always band. <laughs> oh, we always overcome these obstacles, don't you worry? <laughs> so, so I just a, a quick general thought on how you thought Raw went last week, Ross. Um... Well, I actually quite enjoyed it. I uh, I watched the first hour and 20 minutes odd uh, actually live because for anybody listening in the US, when your clocks go back, ours don't go back for like another two weeks. So we get raw, you know, an extra hour early. So yeah, yeah I, I quite enjoyed it. Maybe it's the fact that along with Elimination Chamber, because I've seen mixed reviews of that, I really enjoyed that. Maybe it's the fact that that started at 10 o'clock here. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm not, you know, half asleep when I watch it that I quite enjoy it <laughs> I, I've, only, I've only been able to watch the, the highlights of this week's Raw as I do every week or Raw just with mm-hmm. the just working that but to me it seemed very promo centric this uh, this episode I mean not that there was anything wrong against that no it feels I, that, as if there was a lot of kind of matches to be kind of drawn in with yeah it was um it was as if see the the big hitters that weren't on the the elimination chamber show. The elimination chamber show seemed like a wee bit of giving new blood a chance and setting up maybe those final few WrestleMania matches. You know, laying that foundation. And this was sort of reminding you about the the raw side of matches that weren't on the card. The likes of Drew, the likes of Randy Orton, Edge's return, which we'll get in there. Aye, it's just kind of. I think obviously the promos were probably needed for this raw to kind of sell because we're like obviously it's like three raws away now from WrestleMania, so it's kind of need to kind of kind of kickstart something to get the 
rivalries intensified, and it started straight away with Becky Lynch kicking off the show, just kind of calling out Shayna Baszler for tearing the tearing the Raw Women's Division apart in the Elimination Chamber match. Yeah, I've seen a lot of negativity about like the Elimination Chamber that women's match. It might not have been a main event worthy match, but I thought it was needed. You know, you've got Becky Lynch who has been on an absolute tear. She's beaten just about everyone since like the the last eighteen months, just about, you know, when she had this whole heel turn at SummerSlam twenty eighteen and the whole man character was born. You know, she's beaten just about everyone. So when in the space of a week, you know, if you include the raw match with Kyrie Sane, Shayna Baszler beating six people in the space of a week easily makes her more of a threat. It's like, like Becky even alluded to it when she said, it took you about less than five minutes to beat a woman it took me my entire career to beat. And you're like, that's a, it's a great wee soundbite to go off of. Aye, it's kind of... It kind of like not not that it discredits what Becky's done, but it kind of puts her to shame that there is probably someone that's like better than her, so to speak. There's like it's like kind of arguably the kind of biggest challenge since kind of Ronda Rousey at that yeah, at this point. It's like you know the, the term in football, like bogey team, and you know you'll have this one team they'll they'll be beat off everybody else. But they always have, you know, say, they always have like a Man United number, you know what I mean? And then it's like, this team will beat, you know, Man U 1-0 one, one week, but then get hammered 5-0 off Man City the next week. And it's just that sort of, like, oh, Asuka had my number. I maybe thought, you know, if she had your number, maybe I could find a weakness. But it's like, there's been no weakness shown by Shayna. Nobody's had her number. She's had, she's no had a bogey. Well, Kyrie Saint technically is her bogey team, but um, she's not had any on the main roster yet. She's not, you know, had any slip ups, and there's nothing there for Becky to look at and be like, God, you know, here's my, here's my opening. Here's where I can get to her. I really like the kind of the throwbacks that like Becky Lynch made when she won the main event last year at WrestleMania, and she was saying she was in the back and. She was shaking everyone's hands, but it's kind of like a good weekend all round, and Baszler just like refused to shake her hand. That just had like a kind of personal out the feud that was probably needed, not just like a kind of one one upsmanship. Yeah, I really, I really like that. We'll obviously we'll talk later. We we'll talk AJ Styles, and we we'll talk uh, Edge's return. Everything had a bit of personal like, anger, like, sorry, a wee personal edge to it tonight. You know, just to bring out that wee extra bit of realness. You know. You've got, you know, MVP asking Edge, how's your wife? You know, you've got AJ Styles talking about how Mark's a broken down old man. And then you've got here, uh, Becky talking about how Shayna put a dampener on like the biggest moment of her life. Something else that I'd like to just touch on as well. We've obviously talked about there's no chink in the armour of, uh, of Shayna Baszler. Last year, see when... Rhonda and Becky were having the Twitter beef. Rhonda couldn't keep up with Becky. Rhonda wasn't like, quick enough to keep up with Becky's partner at the time. Whereas Shayna Baszler like, laughs every half. She doesn't need to get frustrated. And like when you see her Twitter game, she doesn't take any shit as well. She is there. So it's just like, it's as if 
you know, in the in the real world of MMA, Ronda Rousey is the goal, the original of that division, the women's division. But and when it comes to WWE, Shayna Baszler's just that much better. Uh, it's like, uh, oh, so I'm, I'm, it's kind of what I'm going to say next. I'm really looking forward to this match. I feel it's like, as I've said many, many a time, I find it hard to get invested in the Becky Lynch character if it's not a good rivalry. Like the Asuka one just kind of bored me. But the, yeah. this kind of reiteration of it. But I can see this being like a two minute squash match at Mania. Yeah, it's something I've said in the past, and I think people get swept up in the mass hysteria, like the the man character, you know, because it was something different. And people like comparing it, oh, she's the next Stone Cold. No, she's not. Like she's she's better than what they were giving her pre man character. And like some of the promos are quite good, but you know, as you said, if it's not a good a good rivalry, you don't really get invested in it, and you know, the best people, you know, can make rivalries work with anyone. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The likes of The Rock made rivalries with, like, a past at British Bulldog, where, you know, where King of the Ring, Billy Gunn work, as well as he made an Undertaker and a Stone Cold rivalry work. Charlotte, if you can make a rivalry with Charlotte Flair work, you should be able to do your bit to carry Lacey Evans, you know what I mean? Because so we've saw her character come on leaps and bounds since that feud. We've saw Becky kind of deteriorate. They ask a feud, as you said, bold. And I think I'd like it if, you know, the whole Icarus flying too close to the sun, if Becky just gets a bit cocky and, as you said, just under two minutes, squashed by Shayna and you're just like, what the hell just happened there, you know? She was just dismantled. I uh, it's something that like I say fear. Like obviously like, I you know they could put on a good match, but like I feel if any of the kind of matches in the on the mania card it's gonna be is gonna be a squash match. It should be this match. Because it'll instantly put over the character and plus it'll probably lead to bigger things for when Ronda Rousey does eventually come back and you can think of the two MMA folk kind of vying up to each other again. Yeah, I think this is, it won't be your main event at WrestleMania, Becky versus Shayna, but it will be your main event at SummerSlam, I'm predicting. You know, there's the rumours that uh, Becky and Seth Rollins are taking some time out after Mania, possibly to go get married, you know, they are currently engaged. And you know, if Becky maybe just disgruntled, just kind of walks up the ramp, doesn't say anything, and then comes back in the lead up to SummerSlam, you know, after Shayna's ran through everyone on like whatever brand she's on, you know, you know, there'll be new blood for her to run through when you know we have the superstar shakeup and all that in April. So I think Becky's redemption, Becky as a character, is better chasing the gold than she is holding the gold. I definitely am. It's the, it's definitely the women's division right now is needing a shake up. I think, and it's just yeah. I think a lot of folks just kind of waiting for that moment for it to happen. And that's when it'll be a kind of reinvigorated bit of space to what's needed. But on to the next segment for something that's probably a, a, something that's a solid for WrestleMania. It's something that's we've speculated for ages. It's the US title feud we had. Obviously, Angel Garza versus Rey Mysterio in this match. It was a pretty. It was a pretty solid match. 
to say at least I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and something that I think sometimes takes away from certain aspects of my enjoyment of Raw and SmackDown is when we do these quick reviews, we we usually watch the clips on YouTube because if I'm if I'm staying with Haley, she doesn't have BT Sport, or if we are working, we, you know, the time it's on in the UK, we we don't really see it because it started an hour earlier this week. It was the opening match, I believe, and it was it was amazing to watch live. I saw every wee bit of it. it. wasn't just five minutes of clips, and honestly, I'd all like you you asked Scott this last week about Angel Garza. Ah, that's what I'm going to go on to next. I yeah, I'd love to see him stay on the main roster. I think you know we, we could we talked about oh he's still a, a fight Devlin. I'd I'd rather see Devlin fight someone else, you know, and if I have Angel Garza stay on the main roster, not main roster, you know what I mean, but on Raw, yeah, fight, you know, fighting Ray, fighting Humberto, maybe a, a feud with Andrade, you know, when that alliance breaks down, you know, just have some matches on Raw because I think he's just kind of surpassed the cruiserweight division at the moment. Yeah, it's obviously. It was it was just going to be there for filler, just to kind of for continuity sake of a storyline to fit him in. But he's kind of took the brass ring and ran away with it. Like he's been absolutely mm-hmm. nothing short of phenomenal. He's easily earned his spot in this kind of raw brand now, away from the cruiserweight division. It's probably probably seen from Paul Heyman, and that's why he is staying where he is. He's not featured on NXT as much anymore. I've always I've always thought like during the time of when. Umberto Carrillo got called up. It should have been Angel Garza from the start, and Carrillo could have been your kind of mainstay on your cruiserweights. Yeah, Humberto was sort of just a weird one. Like, um, we've only recently seen Drew Gulak starting to be used on SmackDown. Um, Ali is, you know, he's met be coming back. Cedric Alexander, who we'll touch on later, is there and thereabouts at times. But Humberto is like the only one of those three guys that. Didn't really have any success in the cruiserweight division. He was just sort of floated about for a bit and then showed up on Raw. But is it not kind of ironic? We complain that there's no storylines or no good, like, there's good matches, but no storylines, no character development in the cruiserweight division. And yet the four men in this story, three of them are cruiserweights. If you'd, you could have had this exact same storyline for the cruiserweight title and people might actually tune into 205 Live. I say, as we've said many a time, it's been a criminal mistreatment at 205. Like, something that could have just been like, see if it was just incorporated like into NXT from the start, not even like as in how it is now, it's been shown on the kind of the USA Network shows and the two hour NXT. See if they just kind of kept the storylines to that and then they had the kind of cruiserweight title matches at TakeOver. And that was the kind of incorporation. I think that would be brilliant. I think as well, obviously, the, the bubble that they were in, you know, oh, you can only fight 205 Live, guys. You know, if they had people going, you know, like the Dewey, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, you know, they they team together in NXT, but then they do separate feuds for NXT UK and 205 Live. Then Danny Burch sometimes does 205 Live. And, you know, letting people like the likes of Ali and Cedric go up to Raw SmackDown, but then when there's nothing there for them, moving back to 205 Live for a bit and just being able to come in and out of the division you know, don't make it the, the cruiserweight title much like the 
the women's tag titles is across all brands. And it means you're not always stuck, you know, with the same sort of people. You, you know, you can have the likes of Rey Mysterio, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano, Alistair Black, who's 205, Ricochet coming in and out of the division to give it like a much needed boost. And then when, you know, stuff isn't happening, they can go, you know, sorry, when stuff isn't happening for the main roster, they can be there. Then when they've got a storyline for the main roster, they can put them back up there. You know what I mean? Like, it, it shouldn't just be its own wee bubble. It should be a case of yeah. cruiserweight guys can go anywhere. I think what they should do is just give the people, us to control of 205 Live, <laughs> and we can just do the booking and make it a credible show to watch. Well, exactly, but it, it's gotten that bad that when, see when people are rumoured to go, because 205 Live does need someone to go to it, someone like a, you know, a Daniel Bryan, a Finn Balor, a Johnny Gargano, a, a big household name to be on 205 Live for a bit, to start to drag eyes in, and it's not going to be a a quick process it's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a slow burn but it's just the reaction from the fans whenever WWE look to be sending anyone to 205 Live it's just oh god no please don't don't ruin them you know what I mean that's how 205 Live's viewed now and it, it would take a lot of work and it's just the fact that we're talking about how Humberto, uh, not Humberto Angel Garza is better than 205 Live now and yet he's having a feud with one of the greatest cruiserweights ever. That's just, it's just a damning indictment. I was saying probably the kind of, what I'm going to go on to next is, is something more that could be doing, done with cruiserweights. It's rumoured this is going to be a four-way ladder match. <laughs> that would be absolutely amazing, by the way. So, I mean, that, that'll steal your show, like, straight away. <laughs> I just have the fear that maybe with the ever-bulging IC title scene on SmackDown, that maybe that might get the ladder match treatment, and this will just be a straight-up fatal four-way. But still steal the show, but you're just like, oh, God, that would be such a good ladder match. Because that's good. That's a great, like, if they had, if this was your, as this type of potential, if it was that four-way ladder match to be, like, one of the best Mania openers ever. Mm-hmm. I think I'd maybe put it on, like, it'd be a great opener, but I think I'd maybe put, there's rumours of Daniel Bryan Sheamus, which would be a great, just straight up wrestling match, you know, when they don't give them 18 seconds. I think I'd put that first, then continue hot with the ladder match, just two two big matches to get you interested at the gate. Then we'll have, like, the SmackDown tag titles that no one really cares about, and then another big match. <laughs> right, so wait, talking about big matches... Charlotte Flair makes her long-awaited return to TV after kind of a few weeks off, which I think has done Flair and Rhea Ripley a world of good. Because also this has had this is going to be near three three months. This is going to be built for if they kept mm-hmm. it on like consecutive telly. So I think we didn't want to be oversaturated with them. So it's nice to kind of have a two or three week break and not seeing them on our TV to kind of let other things happen first. Yeah, because um, when I seen it, I was just like, "Oh yeah, where have they been?" Like, yeah, like, give me this. I, I'm, I want to see this, you know. And it does, as you said, it, it builds interest immediately because you're just like, "I've not seen this now." Oh, I, oh, I have missed them. You know what I mean? Because Charlotte Flair is a great promo, and Rhea Ripley's just 
on fire at the minute. You know, she's just went in an absolute tear since since the end of the summer when she went to NXT US uh, from NXT UK. She's she's really been like nothing short of fantastic. Only thing I wish yeah. was that like obviously Charlotte Flair as a Raw superstar and has been fought for the NXT Women's Title. I'd rather it just be kept on NXT. They had that um, sort of weird build to the Asuka Charlotte match where Asuka was still appearing on Raw, Charlotte was still appearing on SmackDown um, because that's you know the brands they were on. I wouldn't have minded maybe just having having the two of them separate. Like, so yeah, that would have, that would have been good as well. But that's it's probably that's probably what's led to the kind of oversaturation of it because obviously you've had. Flair winning the Royal Rumble and then she wasn't declaring who she was going to face and Rhea turns up and like, oh just fight me blah blah then they were kind of having she was appearing on NXT then Bianca got involved there was a pay-per-view and then she was fighting on NXT and she's cutting promos on Raw I feel as if there was like far too much of it mm, I think this is where obviously something we mentioned um, you know Drew at the minute is absolutely on fire but maybe the two three weeks after the rumble he was a bit bland and he was just sort of in these useless promo segments and I think this is where you need to have wee mini feuds or wee TV feuds for people coming out of the Royal Rumble and heading into Wrestlemania Aye, we've, we've, we're a big kind of advocate of that to kind of keep it keep your kind of winner interesting so to speak but yeah. uh, Charlotte's kind of promo work in this I felt did really a whole lot of good as well because it kind of instantly put part of the kind of shining light of being like oh she is the next big thing she is going to be it she will be the main kind of woman but she's never going to be Charlotte Flair and it kind of adds the kind of bit hmm she's good but she'll never be that great yeah like did she not refer, refer to her as like the sort of flavour of the month aye uh-huh. And th- like that that's the great thing, you know, people criticize Charlotte Flair, but she's consistently good in the ring. She consistently has good rivalries. And the fact that she wins so often means that when Rhea Ripley beats her at WrestleMania, it's going to mean that much more. Yeah, you can even tell like when you hear Rhea's music hit and she's coming down the ring, you hear this bit of brutality, the crowd are like already so behind her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and like obviously we mentioned, it makes it feel more that Charlotte doesn't lose that often. The whole, which I think is unwarranted, uh, resentment towards Charlotte Flair for constantly winning has helped make Rhea that much more of a babyface. It's why you know we, we mentioned the man character. It's why the man took off instantly because Charlotte Flair was in this sort of bland face, always wins no matter what period you know, pre-heel turn and it just helped to make Becky that much bigger a character and it's making Rhea Ripley that much more of a an over baby face on the main roster. Aye, definitely. And then like even the kind of what happened that like afterwards and she was like Rhea was gonna speak and Charlie was like, Oh don't interrupt me, blah, blah, blah. This, is, this is my kingdom and whatnot. And Rhea just kinda of gives her like a 
a quick slap and just kind of walks off. You've kind of got Charlotte laughing, so it might just lead to a bit of a kind of some cheap shots here and there up until the kind of the eventual match. It just gives it kind of interesting because it kind of adds the intrigue of will will someone show up in this show or like will they show up in Raw or NXT and they'll kind of keep it a bit fresh. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because uh, you don't know where the feud's going to be next week. You know what I mean? If it's not on Raw, you're like, oh, we're going to have to tune in NXT or like, you know, if something happens on Raw like this, you're like, I need to tune in NXT see what Charlotte Flair's going to do. Aye, uh, this is a... Uh, if they were going to have a women's ma- like match main event, it would be this match. Yeah, I think so. I think you're... You cemented the star that is Becky Lynch last year. You'll put down a marker to make Rhea Ripley, who's, I believe, only like 24 years old, then one of, if not the next big player for your women's division over the next 10 years. And putting that in the main event, one, gives Rhea Ripley the honour of saying, look, I beat Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. I'm the first person to defend the NXT title at WrestleMania. I'm the first person to defend any NXT title at WrestleMania. And also, even in a loss, it gives Charlotte the distinction to say to people, like, I'm the queen, I've main evented two WrestleManias, you know. She still get that, you know, gobbiness, that that annoyingness that when a heel can back something up. So I think, like, no matter what here, everybody's coming out, you know, smelling the roses. Aye. But from the kind of, the very hot start of Raw, we're kind of getting into a bit of the kind of shit segments, so to speak. <laughs> Bobby Lashley's back. Yeah. With no Lana, surprisingly. Well, I say surprisingly, it's not surprisingly. She's away doing a movie now. But after all the kind of wedding and the kind of cucking shenanigans that happened, he's just he's just himself. It was a bit of a kind of a nothing thing. What good did it do? I was more excited to see Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins than I was Bobby Lashley. And I Hi, exactly. Lashley. The only kind of bad thing was that the crowd were just chanting for Lana. Yeah, there's. It's been two years since Bobby Lashley came back, and they've absolutely ruined it. He was, you know, he was the brilliant, arrogant, you know, heel. He was like a Brock Lesnar style heel when he was in TNA. He was just sort of that guy. He says he's going to beat you up. He trash talks. He runs you down, and then. He beats you up. You know, he defeated Drew McIntyre for the TNA title by knocking him out. Like, it was a tap-out or knockout match. They knocked out Drew McIntyre. They've built Drew McIntyre up to be the guy to beat Brock Lesnar. Two years ago, when Bobby Lashley returned, you're like, well, that's that. That's who you thought was going to that's be the guy. guy. Yeah, we thought, you know, we've had Kofi Kingston be the first uh, African-American uh, WWE champion. You're looking at Bobby Lashley thinking that should have been you as well, you know what I mean? Like, so many things have went wrong with Bobby Lashley and at the same time, so many things have passed him by that it's just the case now of, I don't care. Like, is this, is he maybe going to just beat up jobbers for the next few weeks and then be in the Battle Royal and maybe win that? Or is he just, like, are they just trying, because I can't, can you think of anywhere you could fit Bobby Lashley in the card at the minute? Oh no, the one, the only one, the only way you could have fit in was if they did like Lashley and Lana against Rusev and Liv. But also that's just been like that's just that that's just stopped. That's kind yeah, of stopped all of a sudden. Yeah, because like 
looking at the WrestleMania card, like at the minute, there's already six matches on the card. You know, there's Rhea and Charlotte, as we mentioned, Brock and Drew, Becky and Shayna, Roman and Goldberg, John Cena, Bray Wyatt, Undertaker versus uh, AJ Styles. We're going to get Edge and Randy Orton. You've still got the SmackDown Women's Intercontinental and um, SmackDown Women's Intercontinental and SmackDown Tags to add, the Raw Tag to add, the Raw United States title to add, the you know the Women's Tag titles. That's, I believe, 13 matches. We'll have the two Battle Royals, Rude and Ziggler v Heavy Machinery. So, you know, there's nowhere Bobby Lashley fits in to that card without feeling like forced and I think it's just going to be a case of this guy who we thought was going to beat Brock Lesnar and become the first African American WWE champion is going to be cannon fodder for a battle royal the only kind of interesting thing to note was at the commentary and even the kind of description on the YouTube video was that they were bigging it up for Lashley to get back in the title hunt so you can assume that he's going to be in a title picture after WrestleMania, but is it going to be the WWE title or the United States title? Well, there's rumours, obviously, we've seen, we, we mentioned that Becky's might be going away after Mania. Seth Rollins is, was rumoured to be Drew McIntyre, who's obviously one of the WrestleMania guys, this isn't a spoiler. Um, <laughs> he was rumoured to be uh, Drew's first opponent. So, if Money in the Bank's on May 10th, you know, four weeks after WrestleMania, and it's maybe just a one and done. Does Bobby Lashley maybe win the Battle Royal and then go for there to win Money in the Bank? I mean, there's every chance. I could I could have seen him like say friends of ours Umberto that wins the fatal four way at Mania, right? He mm-hmm. could be your kinda of good good first feud to have. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't know. There's, there's no interest in prospect right now to actually being in any title situation. Yeah, like do you remember? Um, I believe it was Extreme Rules 2018. He beat Roman Reigns and he beat Roman Reigns cleanly. And you know that that was a decent match. The feud wasn't up too much, but it was a a, a good match. Um, and then the next night in Raw, they just decided, oh, by the way, it's going to be Roman and Bobby again. And the winner goes to SummerSlam. And you're like, well, shouldn't Bobby already go to SummerSlam if he's brought Lesnar? You know, and <clears throat> I don't even think he was, I don't think it was on the SummerSlam card after that. So he's went from beating Roman Reigns to not being on the SummerSlam card to then randomly turning heel and showing his arse and <laughs> teaming with Leo Rush. And who was the best thing about Bobby Lashley? He had two blink, you'll miss it, and our continental title runs. And then he's just sort of fallen off the face of the earth. He had that never ending alliance with Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin that was just god awful. It's just a it's just a shame because obviously there is so much potential and like so many folk just want to see that kind of Lesnar match, but I just I we're never gonna get it. Nah, I think Unless he, unless he is the champion heading into it, I don't see him being a credible contender for Brock Lesnar. I don't see him, you know, because unless we mentioned the Battle Royal, we mentioned uh, Money in the Bank, there's 
just nay interest unless he's going in as champion. There's there's nothing credible there really, which is a shame considering he's had seventeen MMA fights and he's only lost two. He's won fifteen fights. I've got the stats here. Six by knockout, six by decision. And, uh, sorry, six by submission, three by decision. He's see that. been knocked it's, out once and he's been uh, beat by a decision once. It's a real shame on Ron itself and not seeing the potential because obviously there's all these rumours about like the pay-per-view race being sold over to ESPN to go back to kind of an off-stream kind of thing. And like mm-hmm. if they're wanting it to be real and they're wanting to sell it, Wesner and Lashley's as real as you're going to get and that will sell because that will get the intrigue from your UFC fans, your MMA fans that know these are two folk that could fight and it would add that kind of interest back into it. Yeah, and it's it's just it's just a wee bit frustrating. I think, you know, with so many people on the roster, people are going to fall through the cracks and, you know, it's not always that, you know, WWE don't know what to do. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. But I think here it's a case of Lashley's been allowed to fall through the cracks and I don't know how someone who fits the Vince McMahon mould so much, someone who is a proven commodity, someone who has had feuds with Vince McMahon in the past, you know what I mean? He's been that, you know, he's been that entrusted that he's just now, you know, an afterthought. I think well, I was... Clearly not an afterthought here, because I originally just gave this bit two minutes to talk about, and we've got nearly ten, so well done us. <laughs> but the next day, we go on to the saddest moment of the night. Aragog mm-hmm. died. Eric Rowan's the spider died. Oh, something Scott actually asked me uh, when we watched it, because they still had the cover over the cage. They were still... They didn't mention the Jose thing, they just... They were still speculating what's in the cage. You know, when McIntyre drops the stairs on it, they go, whatever was in that cage is not alive anymore. Like, he was just pretending like it, it didn't happen. I know. My 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 foolproof Saturday Draft Live plan completely thrown out the window. <laughs> it's, ah, uh, it's a shame because, like, it was probably the most interesting you've ever seen, kind of Eric Rowan, the kind of intrigue of what was in the cage. I said to Scott last week, I'd have liked it if we never knew what was inside it. There's just that kind of, and just, oh, what is it going to be? Are we ever going to find out? It just like does like random shit each week, like just like it bites someone's finger or sprays like blue mist or just like starts rattling if someone tries to pick it up, folk getting scared and whatnot. That would have been kind of kept it interesting. But it's just they've just completely killed it off because Claudius hasn't been working. I think if they if they had it revealed that there was nothing in there and that Rowan was just hallucinating, you know, he's he's a lonely outcast who's made up a friend for himself. You know what I mean? Like, or if you moved him to SmackDown and he pulls out like Rambling Rabbit or a fiend mask or something like that. And you find out that he's once again under the influence of Bray Wyatt, you know, something, something along those lines. But I don't know who thought the big mechanical spider that looked like, you know, how those toys you get in corner shops and pharmacists, those really 
like you see them when you're younger and you think, oh, that's quite cool. And you see it when you're older and you're like, that is utterly shit. Like, you know how those, those barking dogs that do the flips? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, it would have been more realistic if they brought either one of them or one of those wee frogs that when you put it in water, it swims. It would be more realistic <laughs> if they brought out one of them. Something you find at the parastols. I mean, ah, it's just, it's... I don't know. I genuinely don't know. The only, I, mean, I forgot, completely forgot to talk about uh, it's probably Drew McIntyre's one that killed the cage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Drew, Drew McIntyre, the Royal Rumble winner, but to fight Brock Lesnar. But Eric Rowan's cage was that bad that we had to talk about that first. <laughs> this takes that takes presence. Obviously, we'll go back to kind of what is actually the main thing about this segment. McIntyre's shit hot right now, isn't he? Yes, yes. I um, I, I didn't really watch Raw like pre Raw report, you know, just because you know working going back and forward uh, to my missus, doing stuff for the podcast, doing the retro review and shit like that, that I'd seen clips here and there of stuff that interested me. I'd never really seen the McIntyre like, slow burn, the whole AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Drew, all standing off against each other. Drew was still kind of a heel then. But the... And I was critical of the whole booking post-Rumble when he didn't really have a feud. But my God, he is just so over now. And I think what's done it, I think, for people, a lot of people and some doubters, myself included, was the segment last week where he kicked Brock's head off three times. He's just, he's so over now. And we talked about, you know, that disdain for Charlotte Flair that sometimes is unwarranted. The, The unwarranted claim that Brock Lesnar's lazy you know, and stuff like that. Brock Lesnar made him look like a star last week and the the disdain for Brock for being a part-timer is just going to benefit Drew. It's just going to make that win, that moment, all the better. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think a lot more fans are starting to realise how important Brock Lesnar actually is to WWE now. When he's like, when it's like a storyline like this where you can sink his teeth into and he actually cares that how, how like, how amazing a performer and entertainer he is for WWE is is absolutely fantastic. Something weird though about Drew though, I think he said I think this is only his third match since the Royal Rumble. He fought uh, Mojo Rawley in a blink Mojo miss match. He fought MVP and this is Eric Rowan. I think the past few weeks he's just been sort of knocking people out and taking names. No I- that's kind of it's kind of a good thing as well. So this is put him like as a kind of obviously Rowan's a kind of big guy. He's kind of going up against a monster topper, and even the comments you were saying is like, well, if he can obviously it's a bit of a crap comparison, but if he can take down a guy like Rowan, he can take down a guy like Lesnar. But it's, it's kind of it's true in the way the kind of the size of each of the both. I'm not saying that McIntyre isn't a big guy, but it makes mm-hmm. you it makes it feel more believable that obviously what you saw last week just isn't a fluke, and this is this is easily. Uh, besides Edge and Orton, which isn't confirmed yet, this is your most hyped match. Yeah, and you know it's been a while since the WWE title match at WrestleMania with the Royal Rumble winner being in it has been so hyped. You know, the only like AJ and Nakamura got a bit of hype, but at the same time, people were a bit hesitant 
this is just a case of full steam ahead and I think it just shows the drawing power that is Brock Lesnar. Aye, this is a... I can't wait for it. This is what I'm looking forward to the most. I can't wait for us to be in Maggie Mays. Absolutely steaming off her face. Going <laughs> off her nut when, when Drew wins. Yes. Yes, I... <clears throat> I absolutely cannot wait for that. Bucks bar in the afternoon. Maggie Mays pushed. Drew McIntyre wins the title. We all sing Flower of Scotland and then we go for a McDee's breakfast and sleep for a week. It's the stuff of dreams. It literally is the stuff of dreams. You can't ask yeah. for more. Yeah, oh, I, I absolutely cannot wait for WrestleMania weekend. I am absolutely buzzing for it. So, uh, on to the next segment. The Kabuki Warriors are finally back in a tag team match. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm delighted to see that, wouldn't you? I was. For my, for my draft sake, I was absolutely over the moon. Uh, it's about time that these get back, they get back in a tag match because they just had the bells and just not defended it. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. It tends to happen more on the Raw brand. Do you remember... Um, in the lead up to like Elimination Chamber and lead up to WrestleMania 34, Alexa Bliss, she defended her title, you know, that whole, you know, obviously the champion v champion at Survivor Series. They had the um, the women's title like defended on TV pre-Survivor Series. So I think it was like a week before Survivor Series 2017, she defended the title and she didn't defend it again until Elimination Chamber 2018. It was just like we still, she was still on TV, she was still in feud, she just didn't defend the title, and it just sort of became a prop. And that's sort of what it's been with Asuka chasing the whole Becky Lynch thing. Also, can I just ask a question? Fire ahead. Why was Asuka removed from the match last week, a singles match with a wrist injury, but then put in the elimination chamber with the same wrist injury? You know, air quotes. Like, surely if you can't make a singles match on Raw, you can't make the Elimination Chamber. I don't know, maybe... Maybe she, like, missed a flight or something. Or, I don't know. Maybe there was, there was some sort of shenanigans that just she wasn't going to be there. And they had no, to find she, some sort of cover. She was there. Because she was advertised for the Shayna match. People were like, oh, for God's sake, really? They're giving this match away on free TV? They gave it to Kyrie Sane, but then played up a wrist injury. And yet she was still in the elimination chamber. Like, no, if you can't do one, you can't do the other. It's like that whole Maybe. thing, that, no, the way your mother used to be when you were younger. No, 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 you've not eaten your dinner. You're not getting <laughs> sweets. I'm so hungry. you don't get ice cream after. <laughs> I'm hungry, well, you should eat your dinner. <laughs> I think she must have, maybe, maybe she fell over and landed our wrist and they're like, nah, we don't want to risk it. We can't, there's, there's no one else we can put in bar Kyrie. So I, I don't know. I don't really care either. Like, it's, it's, it's the way that I kind of feel about them now and it's a, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah, the whole, um, like, yelling in Japanese and, you know, trying to be, like, heels by speaking their native language. It's just, it's not something that resonates with me. It's not. I'd rather they did a promo in Japanese that I didn't understand and you know put a, you know you can tell they're putting a point across then struggle through a promo with what isn't their native language you know what I mean but at the same time you're just 
there's as you said, you don't really care about them. There's nothing there at the minute. You know, why should we care? I like obviously we got one of their kind of Japanese type promos and they called out Alexa Bliss again. It seems that we're gonna get Bliss and Cross versus Kabuki Warriors at Mania. There's probably the kind of besides your Beth Phoenix and Natalia Rima, this is probably the best case scenario. Yeah, I think I'd like to see them like NXT UK seems to be the forgotten brand, so you won't get that. But with NXT being featured on the show in the women's title match, why having a team from Raw with Beth Phoenix and Natalia, having a team from SmackDown and Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, and then maybe having a team from NXT, I think you might see a wee four corners thing. Although I suppose they could always say that Beth Phoenix is NXT because she's the commentator there. I say, uh, I don't know, but Wazy Booking just not not got me interested. Yeah, like they've held those titles a hundred. I just googled one hundred and fifty-six days. Like Jeez. they've had the defense against the, the rematch against um, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. They've had. You know, the match on NXT, I believe it was Dakota Kai and uh, Tegan Knox, was it not? Yeah, I think it was Knox and Kai. Yeah, and they've not really defended the title any other time, you know. Oh, sorry, the ladder match, sorry, the TLC match at TLC. Three title defences in 156 days. That's piss poor. Aye. It's just... Obviously, you've had the injury to Kyrie Sane, but at the same time, you've openly put Asuka in the the women's title scene and made it an afterthought. Aye. I kind of another other afterthought with this is that Natalia and Liv were put together. Absolute nonsense. And then you had Ruby Riot and uh, Sarah Logan will attack Liv during the match as well. Maybe set sort of mini feud for the Battle Royal at Mania, but again, who cares? See, that, that's the thing though, see if the storyline's going into the Battle Royal, I get interested in it, I like to, you know, I like to see it, and you have these wee mini-matches, you know, that leads on to other feuds when the big stars of WrestleMania don't do the likes of Money in the Bank, Backlash, Extreme Rules, etc. So, you know, a riot feud's not something I'm really interested in, I do like Ruby Riot. I think Sarah Logan's been very underutilised and Lud Morgan's had this spotlight on her recently. So I would like to see, you know, where it goes, even though at the minute, like telling me you're having a riot squad feud, it's not something that really interests me. So something that's not very interesting to something that was very much interesting, probably the promo of the night and the promo of his life. AJ Styles calls out the Undertaker for a WrestleMania match. Do you did you think you'd see this ten years ago? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I'd see Styles in WWE. Period. Mm-hmm. And yet, since he's came to WWE, you know he's about to fight the Undertaker. And yet, since he's came to WWE, he's fought at WrestleMania against AJ Styles, Shane McMahon, Shinsuke Nakamura, where he defended the WWE title, and Randy Orton. And now he's gone on to fit like four Hall of Famers right there 
you know, maybe Shinsuke not in WWE, but in New Japan certainly. And then you've got The Undertaker who just eclipses those other four names. Fair play to him. It shows yeah. like how how valued he actually is in that company. But obviously, when he was put in, Chris Jericho was his first WrestleMania match and he lost. They probably didn't see him as as much of the kind of top tier main event guy as what he is now. And then obviously the next night he goes and he becomes the number one contender to Roman Reigns' WWE title. And then he's just kind of skyrocketed from there. Yeah, um, a year-long run with the WWE title, three United States title runs. You know, he should have won that prestigious To Wake Mountain Trophy. You know, but we'll, we'll not dwell on that. Um, you know, he had a really fun United States title run this past year with, you know, feuding with the likes of Humberto, Cedric, Ricochet, Rey Mysterio. Matches that suit AJ Styles, you know, high-flying pace. You know, we got to see Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles for the WWE title in 2018. You know, he's done so much for someone who we thought was going to come in and just be Intercontinental Champion at best. Uh, it's been... I've really enjoyed it. It's Everything he's done has been just, like, brilliant. Even when you thought, like, he was going to be, like, what happened, Chris Jericho were going for the tag titles. I wanted them to have the tag titles. Like, I was yeah. probably interested in it. But uh, it was, um, his promo work here was absolutely fantastic, and I think it helped the the amount, the personal level he brought into it when he name-checked Mark Harley and Michelle McCool as The Undertaker's mm-hmm. wife. Yeah, he, he said about the mystique being gone as well, which I absolutely loved, you know, because it's something like, Undertaker on Twitter doesn't sit right with me. Undertaker doing interviews not as American Badass Taker doesn't like sit right with me if he's still wrestling. And he's Aye. just basically, he's, he's slated him and he's went, yeah, you're just an old guy named Mark and you're like, no one's ever alluded to the Undertaker's real name on TV before. So it was just like a, fuck, is he just poked it? Like, do you do that? Is that something? And it, you know, that and then Undertaker's real life revealing that he's, you know, married to Michelle McCool, it brings out that more, like, real life taker because, you know, the, the gong going off and the entrance is always amazing. But sometimes Undertaker is the more real world Undertaker where he's just pissed off is so much better. And I think this it adds that personal element to the feud other than the fact that, you know, it's not just the fact that, oh, you stole a trophy that we'll not talk about in six months from me. It's a case of, you disrespected me and I'm going to put you back in your place. Aye, because it's, uh, it's something that was definitely needed because there was obviously, it was just kind of thrown into something that was going to happen that started at Saudi and that was it. But mm-hmm. they had been allowed to go as deep as he has been it's instantly made me more excited for the match. I've not enjoyed watching Undertaker recently. And I, in anything I've seen him advertised for, I've not had a care in the world. I've went and like made a cup of tea or I've went and got another bottle of beer or something watching the show. But like, I'm not going to do that for this match. I like, I want to watch this match. Yeah, he had the, um, in the tag match with Roman Reigns, he drew and Shane, Extreme Rules, and that was like incredibly fun. You know, 
you know, after the debacle that was Goldberg versus Undertaker, which, by the way, to my surprise, was not voted Wrestling Observer Newsletter's worst match of 2019. It was Fiend versus Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell. Like, oh, just, you know, that, that, that's how bad Undertaker's got. Like, he can't even win worst of the worst, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and he came back, he did the tag match, he looked better, you know, he looked as if he'd maybe had a wake-up call. And this, you know, someone like AJ Styles, you trust him to get a great match at The Undertaker, you know what I mean? Like, he's made you care about feuds with Cedric Alexander and Humberto Carrillo, and now he's made you care about a feud with an ageing Undertaker, or sorry, an old guy named Mark. Ah, <laughs> uh, all I can really say about it is I'm hyped and I'm looking forward to the contract signing next week. It's going to be some OC shenanigans and there'll be some gong shenanigans. It's, it's all going to happen. I can't wait. I'm absolutely buzzing. But, like, did, did you think, like, we, t- we talked about, did you think you'd see us 10 years ago? In January, if I told you you're going to see Brock Lesnar v. Drew McIntyre, Goldberg, Roman Reigns, John Cena, Bray Wyatt, Edge, Randy Orton, and AJ Styles versus The Undertaker. Say what you will about part-timers. Say what you will about, you know, living off the past. WrestleMania needs marquee names. And I've just gave you, you know, five right there. Yeah, this is probably going to be like one of the kind of... Probably, probably will be like the kind of biggest mania ever with the amount of kind of... the hype that's going to be around it, the actual quality of the matches you're going to get. Because, like, you've got the future... And Rhea Ripley defending the NXT title. You've got the present and Drew McIntyre, who's about to be, you know, anointed WWE champion. You've got the president of Roman Reigns, who's about to, you know, have his redemption arc, you know, a title he never lost, a title he never got a rematch for. He's going for that at WrestleMania. And then you've got, you know, you've, sorry, you've got the future Rhea Ripley and then present Roman Drew. I had to kind of retrace my thoughts there. And then, obviously, you've got the stars of the past, the likes of Undertaker, John Cena, Goldberg, Brock Lesnar. You know, for some of them, it might be their last, you know, big hurrah. And what a way to go out in this star-studded WrestleMania. Yeah, and something that I don't want to see at WrestleMania is the absolute shambolic nature of the 24-7 championship. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Right, Cedric. I'm not. I'm not even. Don't even want to talk about Cedric getting buried because I'm just used to it now. Get him back in 205 Live or NXT. Right, I don't. I'm not that fussed. Just get him somewhere where he can actually wrestle and that he cares about it. Red, Red, Redick Moss. Why is he still got the belt? But who cares? That's not. The, that's not the point. I'm getting angry at. The point I'm getting angry at is they're trying to make this title serious. And it's not a title that should be made serious. Why is there ma- why is there specific matches scheduled in a show for him to defend his title where the twenty four seven rules are just vacated and he's going and have a normal match with Cedric Alexander and then after the match is finished, nothing's happening. Yeah, like obviously that's weird. The fact that it's Riddick Moss who we hadn't heard of, you know, a lot of the main roster hadn't heard of six weeks ago. And you know, if you're going to do this, why didn't you just keep it on Mojo Rawley? Why didn't exactly. you give it to someone? Why didn't you give it to someone, maybe like an Eric Young, who's got nothing to do? 
you know, someone, if you're going to do this, make this title serious, which I don't think you should, you know. I'm not against having scheduled matches for the title, but, you know, you and Scott referenced it last week, the 24-7 rules are suspended during the match. Why? Like, half the fun, as you and Scott again mentioned last week, of the hardcore title was the fact that when you saw Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson fighting in an evening gown match, Crash Holly came in and won. You know, when you saw Goldust versus Maven at WrestleMania 18, again, sorry, Spike Dudley came in and won the hardcore title. You know, stupid, fun shenanigans, you know what I mean? Like, you can have certain matches where it's like, yeah, we want a straight-up fight, but it doesn't have to be this. I do have a shining light, though. I'd like to maybe, before we move on, because we're not going to spend too much time on Riddick Moss, maybe give you a, a glass-half-full look at this. Oh, right, okay. Let's see how you can right. do that. I'm thinking with the... So, it is open challenges, you know. It's not WWE that's scheduling them. Riddick Moss has said, I'm going to be here anytime, place." You know, he's open challenge against R-Truth and uh, Mojo. He's open challenge, he beat Ricochet. He's open challenge, he beat Cedric Alexander. I think this is leading to a WrestleMania match where Riddick Moss calls someone out and we get someone, like, we get a legend coming back or we get a, like, a returning injured superstar. And honestly, I'd love to see someone, maybe like a Jeff Hardy, you know, he's back this week in SmackDown, there's maybe not enough time to put him in anything for WrestleMania. Or maybe the likes of Ali, we've seen the glitch things. But my fantasy booking here is just to have Kane come out, chokeslam him and take the belt. We do love a fantasy booking on this show, to be fair. How would our fantasy book the 24-7 title? I don't know. Uh, put it back in Drake Maverick. Why not? I'd I'd love it if we if we had someone like Drake Maverick like maybe hit Stone Cold or hit the Rock's music and have Riddick Moss stand in the ring. It's all been a diversion. Drake Maverick rolls him up and wins the title, consummates his marriage. <laughs> that's the WrestleMania dream. That's your that's your WrestleMania moment. That's that's where the live sex celebration hat should happen. You should win it. You should win it on Takeover and then you should have a segment on Mania for your live sex celebration. There you go. But his wife then goes, I'll go on top and pins him for the title. <laughs> good, good. Very good. I like that. Absolute filth. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Edge returned after the 24 7 title. And, uh, well, obviously, didn't return straight away. He had MVP out and he was saying, that, Oh, I'm going to make a stable and I'm going to make champions. I'm going to take these talents and I'm going to make champions. And the first person I want in my stable is Edge. And I won't make him a champion again. I just need him to be focused. Just want that focus and you'll be that champion again. Not someone that's erratic and mental. Edge comes out, obviously going off his head, pure mental about what happened to Beth last week from Orton. And he's saying, get out here and I'll kick your ass pretty much. And the MVP goes, you know, this is what I'm talking about. You need to listen to me. You need to have your focus. You're losing your mental. You're losing your mental. He keeps on going off. Then the MVP goes... How's your wife? And you just see the kind of the clock kind of tick. His eyes kind of go like open wide properly, and he just spears MVP out of nowhere. And then you see Orton. I thought that was and, a bit out of order, by the way. All he did was ask, "How's your wife?" 
<laughs> I mean, would you, would, if you say your missus got RKO'd by someone and then you're going off your head and someone asks how your wife, are you not going to punch that guy? I mean, if they ask how she was, I'm going, what the fuck do you think she was? You know, but I wouldn't <laughs> spare the person. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, f- fair, but we need when I come off Usually when I come back, when I come back for Haley's mum usually goes, "How's Haley?" I don't spill my mum. <laughs> you're sure you're like you're like pulling back your hair. And you're just like, oh fuck, <laughs> just like spin her. <laughs> my dad just going, "What the fuck's going on?" <laughs> so I uh, obviously Orton comes from like an under the ring, or was like over the the crowd wherever it was and he like tries to get the attack on Edge but Edge is ready for it and then gives Orton an RKO of his own and Orton sold his own RKO fantastically I felt yeah um, I liked how he just didn't go for the spear he deliberately went for the RKO he's got personal <laughs> aye and then obviously he went and got the steel chairs like what happened to him in January he went and did the same to MVP and he's kind of showing he's unhinged, he's willing to go kind of that far to put an end to what's just happened. And you can kind of see when the camera pans to Orton that Orton realised it as well. Yeah, and I like how he didn't, like, not even concerto, he didn't even hit Orton with a chair. He's having to wait, you know, he's having to wait to get his hands on Orton. And in the meantime, he's just going to go through Andy that stands in his way. I, I'm just I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be great everything yeah, that's going to happen in the build up we've talked about obviously um, the Orton side of the feud and how great it's been and how we were so buzzing to have Edge back I think because obviously I, I, I was working this morning I went in my bed about half one you know after the AJ Styles segment and I caught up with the rest on clips and when I went on YouTube and I saw Edge unleashes Fury on Randy Orton, I'm like, all right, cool. And I seen a wee and, I'm like, who's the and? And MVP. And you're like, really? Like, it's the sort of thing if I said it out loud to you on paper, or even if I was just describing it to you, you'd still kind of be like, do we need MVP here? But it was great, like, cannon fodder for the segment. He was great, you know, healing up. He, you know, he deliberately kept the crowd from getting Edge. When you've been promised Edge all night, you think his music's about to hit, and then the likes of MVP come out, you're just like, oh, like he's, he's a great heat magnet. Something Edge did, though, again, that I don't think made sense. He got out of the car with his hat still on, and then threw his hat away. Could you not have just taken your hat off in the car? A waste of paper. I probably cost my fair few. Fair few buck as well, you know what I mean? Isn't he one of your George Asda two quid belt? Was that it was probably a designer label that Beth Phoenix got him. Some some wee kid would have got that in the crown, probably put it on eBay. Maybe <laughs> a few, maybe a few from it. But on to the kind of the last kind of uh, segment of the night, it's I've, I've mashed it all together, I just called it the Messiah shenanigans. <laughs> so, obviously, before the show starts. Owens, you're seeing Owens kind of walking into the, the building and you've got AOP and Murphy greeting him and then Rollins comes out bag of popcorn and he's like oh sorry you want any and then Owens just lobs his suitcase at AOP and the beatdown happens 
I absolutely love that, by the way. The oh, note it's fantastic. It's how quick he flicks it up. Like, he just... Buff. I think the best bit about this, though, was... Uh, so, obviously, AOP chucked him into the kind of whatever kind of cage was kind of sitting at the bottom. No, it wasn't Eric Rowan's cage, but it was an empty cage. And he was just kind of sitting there, and you had, like, kind of Jamie Noble and all that come out. And they were saying, back off, back off. And you just had Rollins eating his popcorn going, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. Yeah, he... Obviously, the callbacks in the 84 when Owens interfered the tag title match. By the way, something I didn't like, realise in the match at the time, I saw the gif on Twitter uh, last night. It's when Seth Rollins screams at Kevin Owens as he's sitting on the announce table eating popcorn. And Kevin Owens points as if to go, Angelo's coming. And then about five seconds later, you just see Angelo Dawkins take out Seth Rollins tackle. And... Obviously, the callback to Rollins just sitting eating popcorn. Eating popcorn with his glove hand, by the way, which I, I didn't understand. Like, you know, get, your, get your good leather glove all covered in salt or butter, you know, or toffee, depending on which way you take your popcorn. Which way do you take your popcorn, Jack? Oh, I have, it. I have, I have toffee popcorn. Unless, like, obviously, that's my main go-to, but, like, if it's not, I, uh, I don't get the salty one. I get the kind of buttery one. Yeah, I don't. I don't get the salty one. I get the butter if I'm buying it for the pictures. But if I'm buying a bag, I buy the toffee ones. I don't trust anyone that gets salted popcorn. They're a weird one. They're like ones to watch out. You know what I mean? Like what? What do you actually get up to? <laughs> Would you do in your spare time? Yeah, Devin. <laughs> no, so a, a great callback, I thought, and a great. Just a wee simple prop that was used as a comedy tool the night before was then used to make Rollins look that much more of a dickhead the next night. I thought it was brilliantly done. As I said last week, that like this Seth Rollins character is my favourite yet. I think it should go on for ages. I know there's rumours that it might be stopping before Mania. I really hope it doesn't. This has, this has so much potential. It can go so much further. I just want to see it happen. The religious sort of overtones of the whole I'm the Messiah, I'm this. You know, if he's going to go away for a bit, you could maybe have him say, you know, you crucified me, but now I've been resurrected or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'd like to maybe see him if, if after WrestleMania, if Kevin Owens maybe goes to SmackDown the draft or if Kevin Owens stays on Raw, I've said Rollins got his smackdown upon his return just to freshen some things up, you know what I mean? I think you know, he does he doesn't do the Monday night Rollins thing anymore. You know, he could be the you know, the Friday night saviour, you know what I mean? He doesn't need to be the Messiah anymore. Uh yeah, I get you, I get you. But um so kinda of in keeping with the kind of religious messiah theme, you had Alistair Black was about to do a kind of segment and when I, I saw this I was like Oh God, we get another one of these knocking on my door things. And before he even sits down, someone actually knocked on his door and just walked in and it's Rollins and Murphy. And I thought, Jesus, the balls, the balls in the pair of these two. I gasped because I thought, what, like we've talked, like me and you in the podcast before about what is Alistair Black going to do? You know, it looks as if Alistair Black 
probably going to be in the Battle Royal. We talked about Murphy maybe being the odd one out because Samojo has been suspended. So, you know, if you AOP going after the Street Profits, you've got Rollins v Kevin Owens. What does Buddy Murphy do at WrestleMania? Who does he fight? You know, and there didn't seem any clear, clear logic. So when someone knocked on Alistair Black's door, I'm like, is this the Mania match? Like, is this someone just brazen enough to knock it? Like, who could it be? Like, and your mind goes a thousand miles an hour thinking, who is he going to wrestle? Who's he going to wrestle at WrestleMania? And then Rollins and Murphy just walk in. And as you mentioned, just the balls, the swagger, the just the the gall, you know what I mean? Just to sound like a posh old woman. The unmitigated gall to walk in. <laughs> so obviously like Rollins Rollins was trying to like recruit recruit another disciple and he was trying to make it seem it was like join me and join like the right side of like history and whatnot. And Black was like obviously Rock Murphy chucks the the merch at him. And he looks like, you know what, I'll, I'll pass. And then Rollins like, maybe I didn't make myself clear enough. You're either with me or against me. And Black's like, well, to me, you're looking for a fight. And to that, obviously, I'll see you in the ring. And obviously, that's your, kind of your, your scheduled main event in the evening was the two of them going up. But when you knew that when Rollins came down with Murphy, of course, it was never going to end clean. You know what I mean? You just knew that it wasn't going to end clean. But it was a good match. Murphy interrupts. Oh, good match was yeah um, I liked the whole cult leader aspect you know cult leaders are often you know violent you know sociopaths who need all the attention on them and they, they think they're helping people and the the way that Seth is like my son my child you know come with me I'll help you become the best you can be just put your trust in me just do as I tell you don't question it and then the switch that gets flipped when I'll, when someone says no, maybe I didn't make myself clear, you know. I said, do this, you'll do it. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the anger when anyone stands up against them. And it's the wee flip, flick of the switch. It's the wee tendencies to go back and forward between calm and collected to absolute raging psychopath that I thought was amazing. And just to touch on the match, you made obviously it was a good match. As you mentioned, as soon as you saw, you know, the disciples with him, usual way of heel Rollins, not going to go down clean. Nice. So you had your Murphy interrupted and was weighing the smack down on Alistair Black. Rollins calls for AOP to come out and then the Viking Raiders come out. Everyone's fighting and your Street Profits come out and then the stuff of Taylor's wet dreams, you get an eight-man tag match happening. <laughs> A very entertaining yeah, um, man tag match. Yeah, um, that's that's something we mentioned, obviously. Like, and I'm going to sound like a total hypocrite. We we mentioned that the matches were entertaining, but Seth was always winning and wasn't getting his come up comeuppance. I think he actually needed the win tonight after you know two yeah. losses in a week to I was about to say the Viking Raiders, two losses in a week to the um, Street Profits, losing the tag titles. Um, being attacked by Kevin Owens twice and, you know, being duped by Kevin Owens twice. I think this was where Seth actually needed the win. I it got it in typical heel fashion, you know. Uh, Montez Ford does his big dive on the top of everyone. 
takes everyone out. You just kind of you see it when you walk, watch it back. Rollins ducks and moves forward. Rolls into the ring. Montez goes to chase him, thinking, you know, he's been taken out by the big dive. And it turns out, no, he's completely fine. Curb stomp, one, two, three. Just everything involving Seth Rollins on this Raw was excellent. Aye, uh, so obviously, yeah. Uh, the, the ending was like the, the curb stomp. Ford sold it perfectly, I felt. Just the way he was kind of lying there was just the kind of the mangled kind of body. Rollins gets his win, then Owens comes out and attacks. And obviously, the numbers game happens. The Messiah and his, his disciples on top. I feel it, it, to me, from what I can see happening, it paves kind of two clear matches to what's going on at Mania. So you're going to get your Rollins versus your Owens, probably in a kind of a no DQ type affair. And then you're going to have, I can see a triple threat happening between Street Profits, Viking Raiders, and AOP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one yeah. one that might happen is that I don't also it'll be your battle royal. You could see Black and Murphy being your last two with that kind of feud, but you could also see that being a match in itself. I could maybe see I th- I think it could probably end up on the pre show Black versus Murphy. Not that I want it there, not that I think it is a pre show, just the fact that you know, we mentioned earlier Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, Edge, John Cena, The Undertaker. They're all going to be on WrestleMania. It's such a stacked card that, you know, there's no room for Triple H this year. And I think these pre-shows, they, they need people to watch them on YouTube, you know, to get the money. They need people to watch them on, you know, Facebook and, you know, uh, Google Live and all that stuff. Just so you know, they'll get the money and the ad revenue from those companies. And I think something like Black and Murphy, along with the ever more personal feud with Rudin Ziggler versus Heavy Machinery, those two matches on the pre-show would draw people right in. But, as you said, Battle Royal last two, if there's storylines going into a Battle Royal, I tend not to mind it, as we mentioned earlier with the Riot Squad sort of thing. Um, the two of them, last two, Black maybe getting his vengeance by Black Mass and Buddy Murphy over the top rope, or Buddy Murphy, you know, sticking it to Alistair Black by winning the, the Andre Trophy. Both of them could lead into, you know, this feud being picked back up again. I don't think anyone would complain at seeing Murphy versus... Uh, I was going to say Murphy Rollins Murphy versus Black again No I really would because that would be an show stealer as well but to that Raw's over Ross that's it we're done we're done for another week how would you rate this Raw out of 10 Um, I'll I'll give it a 7.5 because yeah there was some crap things you know I I fast forwarded the the women's tag match because I just I wasn't I'm not interested in Natalia and you know that it was late and I wanted to see the AJ Styles thing. So I paused it, went and sorted my stuff, you know, ironed my gear for work in the morning. Um the Riddick Moss stuff I don't want to watch. Lashley was kinda of pointless. But the rest of it set up WrestleMania nicely. You know, you've got Orton and Edge ever more personal. 
Adrian Undertaker, ever more personal. Rhea Ripley's fired the first shot on Charlotte Flair, ever more personal. You know, so much has been done. The Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins stuff was great throughout, so I'm going to give it a seven and a half. See, I, I was going to give it a, a seven or an eight just because the stuff that was bad, it was bad. But the stuff that was good, it was off a good. Like, it was properly good to like, get you right into what's going to happen at Mania. I'd say yeah, my think... favourite segment of the night was probably the Edge segment. Would What would be your thoughts on that? Um, well, I don't, I don't like us having the same segment. I like to, you know, vary it up. <laughs> I mean, um, Edge segment was great. I think uh, the Messiah shenanigans, as you called it, uh, I'll go, I'll, I'll specifically pick the Alistair Black one because if it gets Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy on WrestleMania and a one-on-one match, even if it is on the kickoff show, uh, it's great and it showed those wee tendencies and those wee character tweaks that Seth Rollins has been working on since November and I just, I, I thought the whole thing was excellent but if I had to pick one thing, I'd pick the Black, Murphy and Rollins bit. So that's my segment of the night. Well, there we go. Uh, you have listened to the Raw Report. Russell Cloud, thank you for joining once again. Well, it's, it's great getting back into the start of living. I think I, I gave my all, so I'm just hoping to be playing again next week. Don't worry, Captain saying Vice Captain says family on these people. <laughs> There's no Taverniers or Goldsons in this team, damn it. <laughs> and to that, we bid you adieu. We'll see you next week in the Raw Report. Ta-da.